You know, I wanted to, to fin- finish the series on worship today, and God says, no, no, just because you use an acronym, you have worthy, and O is for obedient, and R is for restoration, and so on and so forth, and you get to the P, and the P is supposed to be praise, and so I'd already, already had laid that out, it was going to be about praise, and then I began to read in Second Chronicles 29 about Hezekiah, and God says, well, this is really what, what, what you've been working toward, you're not there yet. Uh, you're not there yet. So we're working towards that. Next week, we will talk about praise because there is a preparation process that takes place before we can really praise Him. So I want to see that in, in uh, Second Chronicles 29 this morning. We talked about Hezekiah. Man, he was a great king. Uh, he was a, his, his daddy was a king, but his daddy was a wicked ruler. And his, but his mother was godly, and so uh, she instilled some godly character in him, and he became king at, that, at like the age of 25 years of, of age. Can you imagine taking the southern kingdom? That's when the, the wars had broken out, and the northern kingdom was captured, and it separated, and so Judah was the southern kingdom. And so he's the, first, he's the first king of the southern kingdom of Judah. It was Hezekiah, and they got a good one when they got Hezekiah. So when, when we read about Hezekiah, he, was, he had a tremendous, tremendous job in front of him as a young king. Can you imagine the United States of America electing somebody 25 years of age to be president of the United States? It, would never, it probably would never happen. It just, it just wouldn't, even though it might have been a good idea a few times. But it was. You know, it didn't happen that way. Anyway, so he's, he's 25 years old, and he's, he's called out, and he's become the king. He's in the lineage of David. I think David was his great-great-great-great-grandfather or something like that, and, and he's in the lineage of Jesus. So he's, he's before Jesus, but he's after David. He's in the middle somewhere there. And he is called, and his name, listen to what his name means. It, Jehovah is my strength. That's what Hezekiah means. Jehovah is my strength. Guess, guess what? All of us are Hezekiahs. Jehovah is our strength. Amen. Say, I'm a Hezekiah. Now, y'all didn't sound like you were too enthused about that name. It's not a woman's name. That's okay. Say, I'm a Hezekiah. Because God is my strength. Amen. So God is our strength this morning. So we're going to talk about this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles is right after 1 Chronicles. But it's right before Ezra, and that's the name of my grandson. So if you can't, you've got to find Ezra in 1 Chronicles, and you can find 2 Chronicles. And so we're going to begin reading there. Because preparation, when we're preparing, he's got to prepare the temple. This is what he's preparing. He's taking the temple, and the, t- the temple's a mess. Okay, so he's coming in as king, and he's going to prepare the, t- prepare, prepare the temple for the, for the worshipers, for the praise, for the, for, for the, next, uh, the, ne- the kingdom that is, God has put in place. How many of you know preparation is so important? How many of you, you prepare for so many things, right? We, we just had a party for our 50th anniversary. It was a lot of preparation. We were tired. We had a lot of stuff to do. Get ready. Did you know on a Sunday morning when you walk in here and you walk in here and you get that little worship guide and you, somebody shakes your hand and says, Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. Did you know a lot of preparation goes into this? It's not you just show up. Some of you just show up. You have no idea at all for the weeks in advance, for the sermon preparation, for the music preparation, getting the songs, all, all, all the things that is, are done through, through, through the media. And it's all done so we can come together and honor God. It's so we can come together and do things in excellence. And, and that song, we practiced that song yesterday. It was like, man, it was going over like a lead balloon. It just wasn't working. And I said, but I know, God, we're supposed to sing that song. And look what God did. Aaron, you did a fantastic job. 
Just fantastic. The band, listen, guys, y'all think y'all need to thank these people in the in the sound booth and at the cameras and the greeters and the and and the the people that serve communion and the altar. Listen, when you see them, don't just for, don't forget about the fact that they are here to prepare for you. They're here to prepare for God, so we can serve God and and give Him all the glory. So this morning we're we're talking about preparation. Um, so Second Chronicles twenty nine. I don't read uh, a lot of these names. I'm going to read through them, and you're probably going to say he mispronounced them. That's okay. It's probably because you don't know how to pronounce them either. <laughs> All right? And actually, when you actually go back to the Hebrew of all the words that we pronounce, we, we get none of them right. Hezekiah is not Hezekiah. Okay? It, it's another word. It's, it's pronounced probably a hez, hez, No, let me try it. All right, first verse. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. So that makes him how old when he retired? 53. Come on, people. Wake up. Or 54? 54. Come on, Harold. Come on, Pastor. His mother's name was Abijah, the, son, the daughter of Zechariah. And this verse 3 is so important. And he, or verse 2, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that Hezekiah did the right thing. Did you know doing the right thing is not always easy? It, it's not always easy. We think it's easy. Well, I'm just going to do the right thing. And I've, I've said it from the pulpit. Just do the right thing. You know, when you, go, when you leave here, just be a good person. You know, tip the waiter. Give them a little bit more. Be nice to them when you go to the restaurant. Be nice to the, the, the new teachers that don't know about your kids and how great and awesome your kids are. Okay? Be nice. Do the right thing. But sometimes doing the right thing costs you. Sometimes doing the right thing costs you friendships. It costs you relationships because what you think is the right thing, they may think, well, you can, surely you don't have to do that. Oh, surely you can get by with that. Surely you can skate around that. Surely you can compromise here. And we say, no, no, God's told me to do the right thing. I'm supposed to be honest. I'm supposed to be a person of integrity. So doing the right thing is not always easy. And for kings, listen, when they were coming in, all these kings before him were like lousy kings. And he was coming in on the tail of, uh, on, on all this other political mess. The kingdom was in, in, in shambles. The temple was in shambles. And he said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And God says, I want you to do the right thing. And that's what he wants you to do this morning. He wants you to do the right thing. Say, I'm going to do the right thing. No matter what it costs me. Ooh. Okay. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> By the grace of God, Mary Lou said. By the grace of God, I'm going to do the right thing. Okay, so you can read more about, I want, well, I'm actually going to read, turn to 2 Kings 18. Because you can also, you know, there are a lot of stories overlap in the Bible. A lot of the events overlap in the Bible. So turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. It's just about the same king, about the same time. Okay? And I want to tell you what he did more. It didn't show it in, 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 in 2 Chronicles, but it shows it in 2 Kings, what he actually did above and beyond. All right? He removed verse 4, 18.4. Hezekiah, he removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent, oh, that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nahushtan. That just means a piece of brass. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him, none was like him among all the kings of Judah. Isn't that cool? 
He's a pretty good reputation. Nor who were before him. For he held held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The second thing I want you to see this morning is, don't don't, don't don't stop short of God's commandments. Don't stop short. See, so many of us, we like to just come up to the edge. and And when God says, no, there's one more step to take, we don't take the next step. Because of fear, because of ignorance, because we don't have whatever it is. We have a lot of a lot of compromises in our life, so we don't follow through with everything that God's called us to do. How many of you know you've not you sometimes in your life you didn't follow through what God told you to do? Come on, raise your hands. It's everywhere. We've all done it. We've all we've all fallen short of the glory of God, so to speak. And he says, he says, uh, in, in this passage that he went up and he did some things that nobody else would do. He tore down the, the altars, the idols in the high places. That we're talking about up in the mountains. All the other kings said, well, that's not a big deal. You can leave those idols up there. They're not, they're not going to bother anything. How many times in your life have you left things in your life that you thought, well, that's not a big deal. And God said, it is a big deal. Tear it down. Oh, God, that, I'm pretty comfortable with that, but tear it down. No, God, God, nobody else is tearing their stuff down. Why shouldn't I have to give up my stuff? And God says, tear it down. And so we stop short of the commandments of God, but Hezekiah was faithful. And now here's the thing. You, you go about, what's the deal with the bronze serpent? Wasn't that one of the things in the ark? Wasn't that very important? They held the bronze, the, the snake on the stick, and, and everybody that looked on it was healed, and it was, a, it was a sign of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he destroyed it. You know, why they dest- you know why he did a good thing by doing that? Because they had made that an idol. See, you can make anything an idol. And that was a good thing, but they made it an idol. And, and Hezekiah said, no, we're not worshiping that stick. Did you know some people worship the cross? Don't worship the cross. The cross was a place of death. We worship Jesus Christ. We worship God Almighty. We worship the Holy Spirit. We worship the Father. And so you can put anything in place. We've talked about this all this whole series. You can put anything, even a good thing, up there and say, well, this is on the high place and it's okay because it's not going to hurt anybody. And we do the wrong thing and we fall short and we don't follow through with the commandments. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's some things in here. There's some people in here that you're holding on to idols. And because you've done that, you become double-minded and it keeps you. Listen, here's what a double-mindedness keeps you from. It keeps you from the abundant life. It keeps you from the abundant life. When you start holding on to things that God says to let go of and tear down in your life, and you know what they are. It could be a million things. I'm not, I could sit here and list some things. But you know what's an idol in your life that God says, get rid of that. Is it worth it to live beneath the blessings? Is it worth it to live beneath the abundance that I have for you? Tear it down. Okay, verse uh, 3. 2 Chronicles, we're still in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 3. In the first year of his reign, the first year, in the first month, he, that was Hezekiah, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square. And he said to them, Hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. You talk about a backslidden state. The Israelites were backslidden. They had turned their faces away from God. They had allowed rubbish to enter into the temple. 
They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule. They have put out the lamps and they have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation and to jeering, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons, our daughters and our wives are in captivity. See, what he's saying here is so important for you to know this morning. When you let the temple become in disarray in your life and you are the temple of God. When we let this building, if we just decided, oh, we don't need somebody to clean it. Let's just leave it. Next week we'll come in and we'll fill it up again and we'll come in and there'll be water bottles. and There'll be bulletins and there'll be stuff all and there'll be plastic cups everywhere and there'll be grape juice on the floor. But that's not a big deal. And we come back the next week and the next week and the next week and we see that the trash bins are over full and there's no toilet paper. That's when you would be, that's when you get grippy. Ain't no toilet paper, no, pa no soap, no paper towels. What's going on? And you let this place become a dis. But see, some of you have let your holy temple, you yourself, you have let yourself get in disarray. And when you let yourself get in disarray, you're opening doors. You're opening doors and the enemy says, hallelujah, I can come in now. It's the same, it's the same for a church building. Listen, it's the same for your house. It's the same for your car. Some of you, I can go and look at your car and tell you what your house looks like. Or I can go look at your house and tell you what your car looks like. Did you know that I, I heard something one time that it's, it's always stuck with me. If you go to a restaurant and you go to the restroom and it's nice and clean, more than likely the kitchen is nice and clean. But you go to the restroom and it's nasty. Probably the kitchen is nasty. And you might want to consider eating somewhere else. Amen? So... Open doors, broken doors. Listen, the temple has fallen apart. And God, God said, you've invited my wrath. Israel, you have invited my wrath. And see, God doesn't do things. unless you, The devil can't even do anything to you unless you, invite him, you give him a legal ground to do it. Did you know that? And, and when, we, when we start desecrating God's temple, God says, listen, you're, you're, you're stepping out of the blessings, but you are stepping into my discipline because I love you enough to discipline you. How many of you got children? How many of you got teenagers? And you want their room clean? How many of you want you want your teenagers' room clean? And how many of you have to fuss at them, scream at them, threaten them, bribe them, whatever it takes, to get them to clean their room? And for some reason, that's a reflection on why. Why do you want it clean anyway? Because it's a reflection on you. And when we live lives that are in disarray and our temple is in disarray or the house of God is in disarray, it's a reflection on our father. And he don't like it. He doesn't like it. And he said, I will discipline you. I will discipline those he love that, that I love. And so he does discipline us because he loves us so much. So what has happened to the temple of God? And does it, does it happen all at once? See, this is a period of years and years of years. Can you imagine how beautiful the temple was? Have you ever read how the temple was adorned? How it was beautiful? I mean, oh man, it's gorgeous because this was God's habitation. They had the holy, of, they had the, the outer courts and you would go into the holy of holies and be before God and listen, offer the sacrifices. Nothing was happening. It was full of rubbish. Say rubbish. rubbish. You know what that word rubbish means in the Hebrew? filthiness and you know what that word filthiness means in the hebrew it means sexual immorality Ooh. so there were some bad things going on in the house of god 
How many of you have ever been in a building that used to be beautiful, but it's been abandoned? Come on, raise your hands. How do you feel when you go in there? Sad? You know, you know what I do when I go in those buildings? I, re, I kind of visualize what it used to look like. I lo, like the hotel next door to us, the townhouse. It used to be the townhouse. It was the Landon Hotel. It's burned down twice. But I remember when it was a hotel and it was actually operating. There was a, there, there was a beautiful restaurant in there. And, and, and now if you go in there, you know what it's full of? Rubbish and filth. Well, I know that the new owners tried to clean it up some. But I, I would walk in there and go, wow, this must have, I bet this, there were some glory days here. There were some glory dances here. There were some proposals here. There were some fine meals here. And you walk into it, and now it's just abandoned, and it's, it's ugly. The front of it's ugly. It's just, oh. And God says, that's who we were before Jesus came in. That's who we were before Jesus came in. Let me read for, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, because I'm, I'm, I've been talking about us being the temple, and some of you may not understand what I mean by that, okay? This is Paul in verse 15. Do you know... Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not, he says. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. See, our old life, we were joined to the world like a harlot. We became one with the world. We give our life to Jesus. We become one with the Lord. He's one in our spirit with him. Then he says this, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Hmm? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now turn around and say it to the other person. That's why we don't say, I'm going to go to church. You are the church. This is the building. The Bible, he, he calls us building. He calls us field. He calls us a lot of different things. But he's trying to get the point across here that we, God used to dwell in the, the temple, which isn't there anymore, but it will be rebuilt at some point. But he says, now I, don't, I, I can dwell in you. He says, he dwells in us. We are the temple of God. Amen. So if you're, we're the temple of God, are we supposed to keep the temple clean? Okay, that's what he's talking about here. So I want to ask you, what doors have you allowed to be broken in your life? What areas of your life have you neglected or allowed the trash to come into? What have you neglected spiritually in your life that has caused your temple to be desecrated? You answer that. You, you, that's between you and God. But you need to answer that question this morning. Have you allowed anything to come into your life that desecrates the temple of God? Because you are the temple of God. And some people, well, you know, I don't really totally agree with that. That's okay if you don't agree with that. You're just disagreeing with the Word of God. In His Word, it's actually the truth. And it's final. So you can argue with Him all you want to. You can argue with His Word all you want to. But He said, I want you to keep your, your temple clean. In deliverance, we teach about doors being broken down and left wide open. We teach about five doors in deliverance. We've been doing this for many, many, many years. Where the enemy, you give the enemy access into your, into your soulish realm. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
Kristen knows this backwards and forward, don't you? There are five, five ways that we give legal access to the enemy to come into our temple, to this God's temple, and destroy the temple. And here are the five. It's through disobedience or rebellion. That's one. That's one door. So if you're walking in disobedience or rebellion to God, you've opened the door of the enemy. So don't go whining and complaining. I can't believe he's doing this to me because you let him. Okay? Disobedience or rebellion. Inner vows and judgments. You think, you think you have the right to judge people and then you wonder why things come back on you? He says the way you judge, you're going to be judged the same way. So if you're judgmental and you're critical and you're always looking at everybody and you're always finding all their faults, but all of a sudden everybody finds faults in you, guess what? You open that door for the enemy to come and harass you and bring you down and take down and bring rubbish into your temple. The, uh, the next one is, is uh, in, in all inner vows are those, those when, I, when we talk about uh, judgments, inner vows are also those things you say, I will never, I can't, I won't do that. And you never give God any credit in your life. You say, well, I can do this. You know, have anybody read The Harbinger by Jonathan Kahn? One of the worst things that America did after 911, it says, well, we're going to rebuild this nation. It's going to be stronger than ever. And they never gave God any credit. And look what our nation is now. Look at it. You've, you've got to say, listen, by the grace of Mary Lou said a while ago, by the grace of God, I won't do that anymore. By the grace of God, I'll get this out of my life. By the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll walk, in this, I'll walk in faith. You've got to give him credit. You've got to give him, uh, you've got to give him the kudos in your life. You can't take credit for it yourself. We just sang a, big, a long song about all of the glory. All of the glory is yours, is yours. The next door is emotional trauma. See, a lot of people, you go through emotional trauma. That can be, that can be a near-death experience. That can be a lot of different things. It can be a car wreck. It can be just a, you know, a divorce. Can, a lot of trauma. And in that process, if you don't stick close to God, if you don't hang on to God, if you don't trust God through those processes, you will open the door to the enemy and he will come in through emotional trauma. And you'll go, oh, how do I get rid of what I do? And you, get, you go through deliverance. You get healing, you, you pray, you, you repent, you do all the things that you're supposed to do to get free. We have all those tools right here at Freedom Fellowship. The next one is curses. Curses, we've talked about this many times. We're, if you don't know the power of your words, you probably have cursed somebody in your life. And I'm not talking about the guy that cut you off on the highway and you cursed him. That's one, that's one little bitty form. He probably didn't hear you anyway. And your wife might have and slapped you, but hey. But it's when you curse. Here, let me give you a quick example of curse. Uh, a word curse is if you come, your, your son or your daughter come home and they've gotten a C in a, in a class that you thought they should have gotten an A in. And you say, well, I can't believe you're that ignorant. I can't, you, you're never going to amount to anything. I don't even know why I put up with you. That's a word curse. You've just cursed your own child, which is one of the worst things you can do. No, you tell your son, you tell your daughter, hey, you tried hard. And if you didn't, we're gonna help, I'm going to help you get better. We're going to work this thing out. We're going to get this done. And Jesus is going to help us. And you start speaking life. See, you're, you're either speaking death or life. There's no in-between. Bill said it great. He said there's a plus and a minus. There's no like, middle ground there. It's like in NASCAR. You don't sit in the middle of the track while people are going around you. You've you, you got to be going too. You've got to catch up with everybody. And, and God says, I, w- I, want you to, I want you to walk in this, in this place of peace. That only comes when you understand that you're going to bless somebody or you're going to curse somebody. And if you start blessing people, you start blessing them, you start speaking, start speaking word blessings over them instead of word curses, the, your life will change dramatically. Change dramatically. You know, some people curse themselves to death. 
And I bet you in this room, there are many of you that have said, my back is killing me. Is your back killing you? But did you just give legal ground for your back to kill you? Oh, well, that's just, that's just words. Hey, you're going to give an account of every idle word you speak. Your back is not killing you. God is going to heal your back and give you life. Okay? You can apply that to a lot of things. Apply it to a lot of things, not just your back. Okay? So start listening to your words. If you're married, start checking each other on your words. Okay? If your husband says something negative, stop him. Say, no, we don't speak that way. If you say it and your husband says, no, stop, we don't speak that way. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your outlook for, even for the day. It, it just will. Uh, the next one is unforgiveness. And we talked about that last week and the week before and the week before and the week before and the week before. And the week before. Because unforgiveness is huge. We'll probably speak about it next week. Unforgiveness opens the biggest, widest door to the enemy to come in. Because when you open that door and you say, well, I'm not going to forgive so-and-so. And God says, well, I forgave you of all your sins. Yeah, but God, you know, that's not the same thing. Well, it is. Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother when he, he, come, when he does something ugly to me? Jesus and Jesus said, he, and Peter said, well, seven times? And Jesus said, well, it's not enough, Peter. <laughs> you hear Jesus, he's just like, Peter, seven times, really? How about seven times 70? <laughs> In one day, 490 times. I don't know if anybody has had anybody hurt them, be mean to them, or whatever, curse them 490 times in a day. But if they have, even at 491, you got to forgive them. Okay? So those are the doors that you have to go back, and you've, now you've been made aware of them, and so the Holy Spirit's going to show you what you need to deal with. And if it's too much for you to deal with, then you need to call the church office and get some counseling, get some healing, come get deliverance, whatever it takes for you to get free. Um, read, we have some great books in our library too. Shadow boxing is one of them that will help you get free. All right, let's move on to verse 10. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce, fierce, fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now. Say negligent. Okay. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and to burn incense. Oh, we think it's all about us. And God said, no, it's for him. Okay. Then these, these Levites arose. All right, here we go with the names. All right, I'm going to just read them. The Levites arose. Uh, Mahath, the son of Amasi, and Joel, the son of Azariah, and sons of the Kohites, and the sons of of Merari, Kish the son of Abdi, and Ezra the son of Jehalel. It's really, you don't pronounce the J's, but they write them in there anyway. Uh, of the Gershonites, Joah the son of Zimmah, and Ad, it's actually Aden, the son of Joah, and of the sons of Elizapan. That sounds like one of those drugs they advertise on, you know. <laughs> Only 400 side effects. You just take Elizapan. No. Uh, Shimri and and Jael and the sons of Asaph, y'all with me? Zechariah and Mataniah of the sons of Heman and Jehel and Shemel and, and the sons of Jeduthun and Shemaiah and Uziel, is the where they got the word Uzi from. And and they and they gathered their brethren 
That's not true. I made that up. And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. Come on, let's give it up. Got through that. Woo. I said all that to say number four is cleansing the house begins with leadership. Hmm. See, he didn't call the common people to come clean out the temple. He called the people that were responsible for the temple. He called the Levites and the priests. He said, this is your house. You're supposed to take care of this house. What have you been doing? Show up. Bring your Windex. Bring your paper towels. Bring some trash bags. We got to get this place cleaned up. You see, we, we, we have, we, one Sunday I preached about leadership, and this place was full up here. And Jeff said, please send me an email if you, you're ready to serve. And he got one email after about 80 people stood up in the front of the church. And I'm telling you, I've met with our leadership this week. I'm, we're, we're, listen, this is a setup for Dr. Simpebwa, okay? When, when Joe made the announcement, he left that one thing on September the 10th. It's not just for the leadership. It's for those of you that didn't call to be leaders. He, he's calling you out to be a leader. And listen, you think, well, if I want to be a leader, does that mean I get a position and I get a title? No, that means that you get to serve. I mean, that means you get to get down and dirty. That means you get to get in there and change diapers in the, in the infant room. That means you get to get down and sit in the floor with toddlers. That means you get to go down the stairs where we're lacking people that, that would want to pour into the next generation. That means that you would come on a Wednesday night instead of sitting here and saying, well, feed me some more, feed me some more. I'm in this class, I'm in that class. And see, we got guys in men's class, we got a ladies' class, we got unshakable, we got all these classes. But these people, listen, he's raising you up. You can't sit in these classes forever. You got to start serving. You've got to get out of that place. And the youth are our next generation. Do you really want them to go to hell in a handbasket? Because you sat there and said, well, I can't work with youth. That's just too much trouble. You don't, youth, they don't listen to the thing I say. Listen, if God's called you, listen, today I just declare over you, if he's put a passion in your heart for children or infants or youth then, or young adults, if he's put that passion in your heart, then step up to the plate and say, listen, I don't even know how to do this, but I'm willing. Ooh. Amen. 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 I sure hope they heard that. <laughs> We're not going to listen. He said, come serve the Lord. We don't serve. We serve the Lord by serving one another. We serve the Lord when we serve the children. We serve the Lord when we come alongside Chris and Courtney in our youth. We serve the Lord when we come alongside Josh and our young adults. So listen, we want to kick this thing off with our college students, but we need people, we need moms and dads that say, listen, I, I've got a washing machine. They can come over to my house on a Sunday. They can wash their clothes. I'll, I'll take them out to meal Sunday. Listen, it might be an inconvenience to you, but guess what? It was kind of an inconvenience for Jesus to go to the cross. Don't, don't let inconvenience stop you from serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay, I'm going to get off that bandwagon. Verse 16. Then the priest went to the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought, oh, this is so sad, and brought out all the debris. Why would I get emotional over trash? Sheesh. Brought out all of the debris that they had found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it out and carried it to the brook Kidron. Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. And so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. Can you imagine how nasty, 
and filthy the temple of God was that it took them 16 days just to get the trash out. Whoo! Thank God for Hezekiah's. Thank God for Hezekiah's that would say, listen, it's time to get cleaned up. It's time to get the house clean. It's time to get the house set in order because we can't do anything until the house is set in order. 16 days to get out all of that ugly. I wrote down here, getting rid of the trash may take some time. Getting rid of the trash may take some time. Sometimes it just doesn't happen overnight. So you have to say, God, here I am. Clean me up. Whatever, whatever you need to do, Lord, I want to do it. And he may say, he, he won't overwhelm you. He'll say, all right, today, he'll say, today, Harold, I want, you to, I want you to stop doing this. And I want you to start doing that. He, didn't, he won't tell you to stop doing one thing without telling you to start doing something else. You, know, you understand? He won't just say, give this up. Because he'll say, give this up so you can receive this. Okay? So... God wants you to be clean. He, he, he's preparing you. We're going to sing it at the end of the service. He's preparing you to be a sanctuary. He's preparing us to get our temple straight. Some of you, there's a cleansing that needs to take place in you, and there's a cleansing that needs, needs to take place in your house, in your home. Some of you have got things in your house you should be watching, but... Your kids sure shouldn't be watching. Some of you guys, some of you ladies, some of you got things on your computer that shouldn't be on your computer. We're getting quiet in here now. Where's that pen? I was going to drop a pen. Uh, you know, we just let the enemy creep in. And sometimes we get so uh, hardened to it are uh, desensitized to it that it's not a problem anymore and it should be a problem okay let's move on verse 18 then they went in to king hezekiah and said i love this we have cleansed all the house of the lord the altar of burnt offerings with all of its articles the table of the showbread with all its articles listen they'd all been stolen they'd been taken and torn up they couldn't do anything in the temple that god had ordained the, to the temple to do for the, for the priest to do in the temple because it had been destroyed. So they said, we're getting all this back together, Hezekiah. Moreover, all the articles when King Ahaz in his reign had cast aside in his transgression, we had prepared and sanctified, and there they are before the altar of the Lord. Woo! Number six is repair before replacing. Repair before replacing. <clears throat> Any painters in here? You ever paint... You ever, you ever get any rotten wood on the house and instead of replacing the wood, you just get some spackling? You know what spackling is? It's a miracle stuff, you know? <laughs> Spackle it up and sand it a little bit, paint it, and guess what? In a few months or a few years, that rot will come right back out. How about, how about something that's rusty and, and you've got a, maybe a planter or something and it's, and it's just rusted and then you just get a wire brush sh 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 and try and, try and get a little bit of the rust off and then you get some rust oleum, you spray it, but guess what? That rust will come back because you didn't get rid of the rust. 
And so that's what a lot of us do. We, we, we say we're going to get rid of some things, but we don't, really do, we don't really get rid of them. We just kind of push them to the side a little bit, and we compromise. We continue to compromise, and we allow the old man to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. And he will sneak in if you won't take care of it in the proper way. You've got to take care of it in the proper way. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and flush out all that stuff. And then you've got to shut the door. Shut the door. Say, shut the door. Shut the door. Say, do it with your hands. Say, shut the door. Shut the door. Simon says, shut the no. uh. And how, how do you keep the door shut? You, you, here's how you keep the door shut. You make it a habit to pray every day. You make it a habit to be in the Word every day. You make it a habit to surround yourself with godly people. You, you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You get in the place of uh, and His presence. You, you worship Him and you praise Him. All these things are ways that you continue to walk these things out, walk this out in a daily, God bless you, uh, and, and walk it out daily. Go ahead and sneeze. It's okay. Look at Jesus. Uh, we're going to close. Look at Luke 11. Well, I think this day is going to be so awesome. It's because a lot of you are going to, you're recognizing even now the Holy Spirit showing you some things and you're ready to get, shuck them, get rid of them. Like Aaron said earlier, shake them off. You know, get, get, get it out of there. Get it out of you so you can start walking the abundant life, living the abundant life. Luke 11, uh, if you go back and read the beginning of it, it really begins with the Lord's uh, the model prayer. talks about forgiveness and it talks about being, uh, casting out demons. And then in verse 24 of 11, it says, When an unclean spirit, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places. And seeking rest and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. What he's implying there is you can come and you can say, God, forgive me of my sins. But yet, if you don't replace that with the Holy Spirit, if you don't replace whatever you've gotten rid of with something good, then you're giving access to the enemy. You just, you're just an empty shell. And the, the, the enemy goes around. For some reason, demons like bodies. Human, and they like, they like animals. I mean, God, Jesus cast them into pigs. You know, pigs were so happy they just committed suicide. You know? Just seeing if you're listening. Some of you weren't listening. So you missed an incredible joke. Uh, but when, when, how many of you know when you're dry, the enemy kind of, he works on you? When you're dry, and you get dry because you're just not doing the things. You're not doing the deal. You're not reading your word. You're not, I, I, I can, listen, if I had a list of people that have been to my office and their life is in shambles, then at once they were living for the Lord and they were walking with the Lord. It always goes back to, are you reading your word? No, not quit reading the word. Are you going to church anymore? No, once in a while. Are you, are you praying? No, not much, you know. It always goes back to those things, those simple things that God said, this is what you do to keep, the, keep, your, keep your life filled up with the Holy Spirit. And so he's called us not to just get rid of some things, but replace it. Replace it with the good things of God. Amen. Hezekiah had God's temple cleansed 
and put back in order before the articles of the temple were put back in place. You see, it was one of those things, it's one thing to cleanse the temple, but to restore it to its purpose. How many of you need to be restored to your purpose? See, that, that's, where, that's where this is going. He wants you to be restored to your purpose. But for that to happen, you are going to have to be restored, repaired, renewed. And that's what I love about Jesus. He said, his mercies are new every morning. Behold, all things are new. We have become new creations in Christ. He likes the word new. He wants you to know that you can become new again today. You can get rid of all that baggage, all that trash that you've been carrying.